Hello and welcome to Exploding Helicopter, the only podcast in the world dedicated to analysing and celebrating helicopter explosions in films. My name is Will and on this show we're going to be looking at a movie which has been a blinking green blip on our radar for some time. In 1986, Top Gun took the breath away of film fans around the world. An exciting tale of testosterone-fueled pilots engaged in death-defying aerial dogfights. The film had one noticeable flaw. No helicopters. Fortunately, that error was finally corrected in 1990 with the release of Firebird's Wings of the Apache. It took Top Gun's formula and made the simple improvement of swapping the fixed-wing aircraft for our favoured rotary-bladed variety. To help me examine the film, I'd like to introduce my wingman for this episode. He's a first-class all-American hero with his heart and brain wired together who's cooking full-tilt boogie for freedom and justice. It's Nick Rehack of French Tony Sunday. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm glad you could come on and be a guest and help me uh, pick the bones over this film. Do you want to take a sort of moment to shamelessly uh, promote your own website and podcasting activities? Happily, I'm part of the collective known as French Toast Sunday. We can be found at FrenchToastSunday.com. A new podcast episode comes out every Friday, roughly. Uh, You can find it on the site or on iTunes, so feel free to go over and check that out. You can find us on Twitter at FTS Tweets. Uh, We're somewhere on Instagram. I wish I knew that information offhand, but I don't. (laughs) And look forward to our most recent episode. We did a live reading of uh, The Breakfast Club. Oh, what was all that about? Well, we had done a live reading before, and we did the film Clue, because we all absolutely love that movie. And um, originally, we wanted to do a live reading of This is the End, but we couldn't find a proper script for it. And then Lindsay had the brilliant idea of picking a film that none of us would ever watch, so we were going to do The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. (laughs) 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 But we couldn't find a script for that either, so we went with... uh, it was it was up between Reservoir Dogs and The Breakfast Club, and we went with The Breakfast Club. So hopefully in the coming months we'll do Reservoir Dogs. Okay. And so uh, were you reading a particular part in this? I pl- I did the, all the stage direction, and I was Carl the janitor. Ah, okay. He's got a, yeah, he's got a nice memorable uh, little role in it. And, and I give, uh, if I do say so myself, a very memorable portrayal of this <laughs> character. So. Okay, well, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely look out for that. This is the part where I usually ask people if they've uh, seen uh, anything interesting uh, recently. So, uh, yeah, I'll ask that same question to you, Nick. Well, last week, uh, myself and my girlfriend went out to the theaters and we saw Ex Machina, and I was just absolutely in love with the film. It is gorgeous. It's superbly well acted. Like the more I see of Oscar Isaac, the more I absolutely fall in love with him. Even the films that he's in that I don't much like. I still really, really enjoy his performances, uh, and this one just adds to it. There's, It's just, I don't know, it hits all the right notes for me. It's sci-fi, and I absolutely love sci-fi. It's smart, too. Like There's some scenes where you're kind of just thrust into this world of what's happening, and you kind of pick up along the way what's going on. It doesn't hand-feed you. It doesn't tell you exactly what or how to feel. You kind of figure it out, and the ending is such that myself and, like I said, my girlfriend, we were able to talk for, like, hours on, you know, our interpretations of things and just uh and, and she's still talking about it like every so often she'll text me and she'll say you know i was thinking about this part and i wonder you know so on and so forth so it's uh it's it's worth checking out if you get the chance to it was on a film that was on my radar but unfortunately i missed the uh, opportunity to sort of see it in theaters so uh, i keep hearing good things about it so uh, it's definitely a film that uh, i want to to check out sooner rather than later so uh, another note to myself there to get that film watched at some point 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, the more and I mean, this goes with any film, really, the less you know about it, the better you are going into it. OK, well, tell me no more. Cause I, don't I shall you, not. I don't, <laughs> I don't want you spoiling it for me. So, OK, Nick, well, I feel the need, the need to get up to speed with Firebirds, Wings of the Apache. The cartel has them outpaid, outmanned and outgunned. Their drugs kill Americans every day. It's a war and it's our duty to fight. United States Army will face the opportunity of a lifetime. I do not expect you to waste or throw away or neglect this opportunity. I expect you to improve every shining minute of my time by becoming the best air-to-air helicopter pilots in the whole wide world. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. I am the greatest. God damn it. Rules of engagement. One, whoever sees the other first is the winner. Two, whoever gets seen first is toast. And if you blink up there, people, you are in the body bag. So Firebirds, or Wings of the Apache, as it's sometimes called, came out in 1990. South American drug cartels are flooding America with crack cocaine, but the US military's efforts to crack down on the drug smugglers are being thwarted. The cartels have hired a mysterious helicopter ace who is shooting down the US air patrols. So after being outgunned and outflown, the army send their best pilots, including Nicolas Cage, to Helicopter Academy, where they're trained to be the best. Nick, this was a first-time watch for uh, for both of us. What were your uh, impressions of Firebirds? The first thing that came to mind was that this film easily has the worst ADR I've ever seen in my entire life. It is bad. <laughs> it is. It's purely awful. Um, but it's also it's also such a really interesting movie because. I just you have to look at Nick Cage and just his performance alone, how there are some scenes where he is just fighting to show zero emotion whatsoever. And then there's other scenes where he does a complete 180 and he is just a looney tune from start to finish. I I didn't like this movie like (laughs) at all. And I would probably never watch it again, even if it was one of those instances where you get a couple uh, beers and friends together and you just tear it apart. Like, I wouldn't even do that just because it was so, so awful. But part of me enjoyed watching it, though. Like, there was I don't know there was something about it. Like, honestly, there was parts where I'm like, I'm just going to turn this off and I'm going to fake my way through the episode. <laughs> but, but part of me, I don't know, I was intrigued and I just it, it kept me wondering, like, what's going to happen next, despite how awful it was. You sort of touch on a couple of the sort of interesting aspects of this of this film, which yeah is a pretty it's a pretty poor film. There's no uh, there's no getting away from it. And Nicolas Cage gives a really sort of uh, odd performance, and, and for one of the reasons uh, that you've already outlined, like at the beginning of the film, he's got this absolutely atrocious big spiel of uh, exposition, which he delivers in a, such a sort of muted way that. Um, you know, it just, it just seemed, it's just absolutely terrible acting. And it almost made me feel like, um, you know, like the story of around sort of Harrison Ford and the sort of narration that he was forced to record for Blade Runner and that mm-hmm. he deliberately recorded the narration so badly in the hope that, you know, people would listen to it and just think, you know what, we can't use it. We'll just, we'll leave it off the film. And it makes me wonder actually if Nicolas Cage was doing something similar in those opening scenes of this film. He just, where he just thought, if I turn in such a bad performance, they'll just get in the editing room and just think, you know what, we can't use any of this and we just won't include it, um, include it in the film. And then 
as you as you say, like later on in the film, he's he just goes, you know, full bore Nicolas Cage, where he's just giving wild line readings. He's kind of doing sort of weird and wonderful, wonderful things, and it just is such a he's just all over the place in terms of uh, in terms of his performance. Absolutely, and and everything you just said is exactly how I felt. Even watching like the first couple scenes, I'm like, well, maybe this is when Nick Cage hadn't become unhinged, and he was like still <laughs> like a pretty decent person. But then all of a sudden, like it's almost as as soon as the love interest showed up, all of a sudden like the the switch was flipped, and there he goes. He's off and run into the crazy races, and he's gonna take first place. It was one of the notes that I made that he basically sort of switches gears about sort of you know 10 or 15 minutes into this film and uh yeah i think you're right it is around that moment when uh, the love interest who's played by sean young comes uh comes into the film because you know he he's then sort of at various points in the film it actually feels like he's um playing the same character that he was in uh, wild at heart and there's a little moment where he has an arg- big argument with them um, sean young and then he sort of turns away in anger and just does this sort of you know, a karate kick move, which was exactly the same sort of move that his character in uh, in World at Heart was doing. And, you know, both those films were made in the same year. So, you know, I, do, I wonder if, I don't know which one came first, whether, you know, World at Heart was leaking into Firebirds or, or may, maybe he was maybe he was trialing some of that persona in Firebirds that he would later do in, in World at Heart. It's a possibility because that also crossed my mind too. I, I'm like, you know what? I know Wilder Heart came out in the same year. I wonder what came first. I would just check the IMDb. Firebirds came out in May and then Wilder Heart came out in August. So it's a good chance that as he wrapped up, he was like you said, trying a thing or two and then, you know, went full Nick Cage as Sailor Ripley. <laughs> And, uh, Wild at Heart, but I just, like, or when he yells at her and gets right in her face for zero reason in that one particular, I mean, I feel like I'm jumping ahead, but there's just that scene where they're at the, the club and he's right in her face yelling. I'm like, why? There's zero need for this. I think the worst moment of, uh, Nicolas Cage-ism, if, uh, if that's uh, an adjective, comes when he's in a flight simulator and he gives an absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly where you're going. He gives an absolutely mental rant where he just goes, shoot them, blast them, nail them, grab them, yank them, bake them, cook them, clean them, hold them, boil them, nab them, twist them, all gone, bye-bye! I mean, he's just absolutely... I mean, he just absolutely destroys the screen in that in that moment of the film. It's just absolutely mental. And um, then he finishes it up by starting and, and shouting repeatedly how he's the greatest. Like, <laughs> I am the greatest. And it builds and builds and builds. And I'm just like, how is this allowed? Like several people sat down, watched this and went, no, this is good. We can use this. And then went on to the next scene. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think um, the director, I had a, had a sort of look at his CV and he's got a very strange CV. He not really made many films. Probably the biggest film that he'd made was... Uh, I think one uh, that came out a few years late, uh, a few years earlier, which was I think I think he made Buster with um, with Phil Collins, this kind of little sort of uh, small sort of British um, crime flick. To choose him as a sort of director for a sort of I guess they thought they were making a big action pick. You know, they, certainly the idea was to make Top Gun with the helicopters. He just seems a really odd person to pick, and you know, clearly he had he. I can't imagine that he was directing Nicolas Cage to do this for the life of me so he, he clearly had absolutely no control over Nicolas Cage he was just seemed to be sort of doing whatever the hell he wanted with the with his with his performance yeah pretty much I don't think there is such a thing as directing Nicolas Cage and but obviously we've got opposite Nicolas Cage we've got uh 
Tommy Lee Jones, who um, I think it's fair to say that he's a uh, sort of an actor who's sort of assumed sort of national treasure status now in his uh, in his career. He's uh, a, always a reliable presence, um, sort of in any films. He's you know he's, uh, also now moved into directing as well and done some good work there. But he gives this is possibly the worst Tommy Lee Jones performance I've I've possibly ever seen. I don't know how how you felt about um, TLJ in this. I feel like it could have been much worse, but it, you could definitely tell he kind of phoned it in and just kind of did the default Tommy Lee Jones. Um, I think it's also, it, it's, it's just the script he had to work with. You know, he had to work with that dialogue and he kind of had to force, um, his whole subplot of I'm an old man. There's some new young guns in here. I have to prove I'm just as good as them. And I think trying to nail that down, cause it's almost like he wanted to dislike Nick Cage, but he didn't. He was all buddy buddy. And in the scenes where he's supposed to, he still came across as buddy buddy with him. I think that aspect of the film really didn't work. And you can see that there's a really sort of solid idea there. Um, but the execution of it is so poor and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, it just never really works. And they don't really make as much mileage, um, out of it as they, as they can. And I am, um, you know, I do agree. Tommy Lee Jones warms up a bit actually as, as the film goes on when he's interacting with, um, in some of his interactions with Nicolas Cage. But in some of the sort of the early scenes where he's got these kind of big long speeches of, of sort of, you know, kind of the same sort of, you know, gruff, grizzled sort of military motivation um, speeches that you sort of hear in countless films. You can see that he really doesn't, um, he's really not enjoying having to deliver those lines. And he, you know, he looks really sort of bored. Yeah, against the normal sort of uh, benchmark of uh, Tommy Lee Jones performances, this was uh, one of the worst I've probably, uh, I've probably seen. Yeah, and then there was a whole character shift during the boxing scene, how all of a sudden he's boxing, and then he gets up out of bed the next day, and I guess he's trying to play it off as like a physical comedy, slapsticky kind of thing, but it still comes off as, as, I don't know, I feel like that whole scene was out of place and didn't even need to happen. Like, you could have just had subtle scenes with him running and everyone's running past him, or even the ridiculous, pointless scene where he's walking up the steps and Nicolas Cage is high-stepping it. (laughs) I, like I've never seen before. He's like, are we cool? And then just takes off high step. And I'm like, I don't know what we just saw or why <laughs> or why we just saw it. One of the things that uh, also bothered me about Tommy Lee Jones' performance in this film was the way that he kept saying helicopter, which just seemed a real, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a particular expert on American accents, Nick, but I don't know. You know, do people actually uh, refer to helicopters as helicopters uh, in the States? I think some of them do when they're trying to be like funny or ironic. I, and some people also depends on like where you're from, different accents, you refer to things in different ways, but it definitely felt out of place. And there's even one scene where he refers to it as an airplane and I'm like, no, nah, that's a different film. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different movie right now, Tom. And uh, such was the, uh, such was the grip on continuity uh, in that film that nobody uh, obviously picked that up. Pretty much. It was just, I, I, I listened. I'm like, that didn't happen. I even rewound it and I'm like, yep, it's, he called it an airplane and it's, Clearly a helicopter. We've already uh, touched on it uh, already, but uh, we should sort of talk about the uh, relationship between uh, Nick Cage and Sean Young. They're sort of former lovers who are thrown back together again in this uh, this film, and Cage clearly sort of fancies uh, hooking up again, so it's a classic case of will they, won't they. But for me, their whole sort of relationship had a sort of real, was a real sort of strange blend of uh, stupid entertainment and some really weird beats um, in it as well. What did you make of it, Nick? I came across as really aggressive. 
like I wouldn't I wouldn't say rapey because that's all that's too much a term. <laughs> but it was definitely very aggressive in a sense that he was constantly pursuing her to the point where you think HR would get involved in some way, shape, and form. And then it gets to the point where he's like, "Hey, I finally passed this test. Let's go somewhere." And she's like, "Oh, okay." The entire film. She's saying no to his advances, and she's shutting him down left and right, and then all of a sudden, things are okay, and they're back to normal, and there they are, banging it out at some <laughs> resort a mile or an hour and a half away, and somehow, like, that's also okay for them to get clearance to leave. They're training for a huge top-secret mission, and he's just – he has vacation time he can use on the weekends to get away for a little bit and i just i don't understand that like i don't understand why that why that dynamic changed so quickly especially when she was as she was the whole time and then like it even like you said some strange beats like when he finds out that she's also going back to you know south america with him and he gets right in her face and is yelling again he's like oh because i love you and i don't want anything to happen to you and it's like geez nick like you could have that could have been a real somber and sweet moment instead you just got really aggressive with it yeah i mean cage is supposed to be this sort of loose cannon sort of maverick sort of uh character but when it all boils down to it, he's just a huge social conservative because, you know, it just seems that he wants Sean Young to, um, as he says himself, stay at home, uh, cook and have babies. I mean, you know, it just is a really, I don't, can't, couldn't really get a handle on sort of Nick Cage's, uh, what sort of character he was sort of supposed to be. Cause on the one, one, on the one hand, he's, you know, just sort of goofy as hell. And then the next thing, he's, you know, got some sort of 1950s sort of nuclear family vision of, you know, what the relationship between the sexes should be. Yeah, and, and you never really see that in any other facet of his character or any other part in the film. Like, there's no really, I, I there's it, just, it doesn't make any sense. It just <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I mean, I would completely agree with you, like, that Cage doesn't so much romance Sean Young as just basically make relentless crude passes at her. There's a terrible scene where, in the nightclub, where Sean Young is just on the dance floor with some guy that, you know, she's, you know, completely entitled to uh, have a dance with, and uh, Nicolas Cage just sort of strolls into the nightclub, spots her dancing with this guy, and just goes over and starts a fight for absolutely no reason other than he's uh, got a massive problem with his ego. Yeah, and then he delivers easily my favorite line of the whole film <laughs> as she's walking away. And, of course, the worst ADR possible. He says, hey, scaredy cat, I just wanted to dance with you. <laughs> I I wrote it down because I had I had to. I absolutely had to. Uh, and it, it's honestly, like you said, she just kind of gave up. It's almost as if in Beauty and the Beast, if Belle was just like, fine, Gaston, I'll go out with you after being so aggressive the entire time. Like, I just couldn't. I, I couldn't I couldn't put my head around it. Yeah, and um, that scene also sort of concludes with Nicolas Cage just sort of waggling his eyebrows in, you know, he's just been sort of chewed out by sort of Sean Young. He's told him he's, a, you know, an absolute sort of Neanderthal for sort of starting this, you know, bar fight. And Nicolas Cage's response is not, not, not to even reflect for a moment on his behaviour or to maybe think, you know, he's got something to be sort of contrite about. He just sort of stands in her face and just wiggles his eyebrows at her. <laughs> What is, you know, who, who kind of thought, yeah, this, this, that this is the arc that we want to take with their relationship. I, you know, it, it made absolutely, uh, no sense. Um, in terms of their relationship, probably my favorite and, uh, a favorite is, uh, in inverted commas moment is the, is the scene where they're both in, uh, they're both in helicopters and, um, they're having some, uh, 
banter, I guess, is the best way to describe it. If you want to call it that. <laughs> um, so they, they basically have some, they sort of use helicopter flight as a, as a euphemism for sex, which it is some of the most toe-curling exchanges of dialogue I've probably ever heard. It's painful. It's painful. Just plain. And the other two, I feel bad for the actors that have to sit there that aren't saying anything. And then the one guy's like, yeah, you're really persistent, Preston. It's like, that should be the hint. That should be the hint of, all right, man, enough. Like, we're good here. Again, HR didn't show up and, and the HR should have. Well, obviously, um, as we've already mentioned, for reasons that uh, remain unknown to the viewer, Sean Young does relent. And uh, as you say, you know, she and Nick Cage hook up at this uh, this kind of resort that's in the middle of the desert and we have a really gr- quite gruesome sex scene between uh... <laughs> that is the that is the best way to describe that scene gruesome <laughs> and if it couldn't be you know if the prospect of it couldn't be any worse with you know with all that we've gone before the whole thing is soundtracked by phil collins it just you know, it it just couldn't be more 80s in any possible conceivable way. I mean, it's a it's a true uh, horror moment um, in the film, and it and because they've got the song playing, they kind of have to let the scene go on for at least a couple of minutes, and it just mm-hmm. feels like, oh, when is this gonna end? When is this yep. gonna end? It's and I bet you Phil Collins was like, hey, if Berlin can do it, so can I. <laughs> Well, that's clearly what they were going for in in terms of this sort of you know Top Gun with helicopter helicopters motif. They were you know they were kind of like oh let's have we're gonna, we're gonna have this big romance at the heart of the film and you know we need to have a kind of big pop song to that will kind of soundtrack that that moment. And they uh, for some reason they they picked this Phil Collins album track, which <laughs> you know doesn't make you know it uh, hasn't entered, any sense. Whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense, and it hasn't entered into the kind of you know. The popular consciousness in the same way that uh, that kind of uh, you know that's that scene and music did in uh, in uh, Top Gun. Yeah, and and even as I listen to it, I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard these Phil Collins song before. And I grew up where my parents, uh, I wouldn't say huge fans of Phil Collins, but I've definitely heard a couple of his albums, and I don't think I've ever heard those two songs before. And uh, I mean, just sort of lastly on this, I mean, Sean Young's Sex Face. It's, it kind of looked like she was sort of sliding into a hot bath. It, you know, to be honest, I probably don't want it any, I don't want to see any more of it than I did. So I think we should be sort of grateful for the restraint that she showed in that scene, probably. It's, and I bet you there's a take somewhere where she really went, like she went full Nick Cage on it. To be honest, it's 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 a it's a merciful relief that uh, that the the camera mainly focuses on Sean Young and not Nick Cage because yeah we definitely I don't want to I don't want to know any details about Nick Cage's face in a scene like that. Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, this film um, obviously I don't expect uh, you, Nick, uh, to be sort of quite as excited about um, all of this stuff as, as I was. Uh, but you know, the, obviously helicopters play a kind of absolutely sort of central part in this film. So there was there was a lot of you know, nice helicopter touches for me. So, you know, I really enjoyed the kind of opening shot of the film where you've got these kind of four helicopters, you know, kind of flying out of the setting sun towards the towards the viewer, which was, uh, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed that as a as obviously a big chopper fan. And then there was a, a few nice sort of touches uh, within the film. I don't know if you noticed the uh, birthday cake that had been made for uh, Tommy Lee Jones was uh, was made in the shape of an Apache helicopter. I thought the, that was kind of cool. 
that was, I thought that was kind of cool. And it did, they did also seem to be having that celebration in what to me looked like the world's best bar in the sense that it had massive pictures of helicopters uh, on the walls uh, everywhere within it. So, uh, you know, for a helicopter fan like myself, you know, there was some nice stuff going on. You know, the backdrop of the film was providing me with uh, with some interest. We do need to uh, to talk about the exploding helicopter um, action in this uh, in this film, and this is probably the most controversial film that we've so far encountered, um, sort of on uh, exploding helicopter, and that's because sort of in addition to the uh, four helicopter, let's call them the four normal helicopter explosions we get to see, we also get to see nine. I counted. Um, it, I could, a few could have slipped past me, but we get to see nine computer-generated helicopters destroyed by Cage when he's uh, in a flight simulator. So, uh, Nick, I wanted to ask your view on whether we should be including these helicopter explosions in the sort of the final kill count of helicopters in this film. I, I, I thought about that, and I don't know. It's just I don't. With the other ones, there's a lot of action. There's a lot happening within the explosion. You've got the fire. You have the equipment going in all different kinds of places, a lot of shrapnel, that kind of thing. But with the video game ones, it was more in a sense of just a video game or the video simulator. It was more like a video game in a sense that it was just a red ball that kind of just came at them and nothing really exciting happened. I mean, if you wanted to consolidate and count them as one, you know what I mean? Like all the different explosions combined could equal to one exploding helicopter. I would be comfortable with that, but... But not not counting them individually. Not individually. No, it was they were just too similar. They were too similar to me. They didn't they didn't have a story to tell, whereas the other explosions had a story to tell. That's uh, okay. Well, that's, uh, I hadn't considered whether uh, we could just sort of roll them up into uh, into uh, what just sort of counting as uh, one helicopter. I have to say, my, I probably lent more towards including them um, on the basis of that. Uh, you know, for instance, um, we reviewed Monsters vs. Aliens, which is a, a, an animated film, and there's a, a helicopter which is uh, destroyed in that, and that's a sort of an animated, uh, that's obviously an animation, so uh, I, I, I see it as a kind of a, a valid helicopter kill. And there's also in the credits of 22 Jump Street, uh, in the kind of closing credits, there's a there's an animated, and there's another animation of a helicopter explosion in there, and uh, I'm, I'm inclined to include to sort of consider counting those so it seems like there's uh you know we're at a bit of a potentially at a bit of an impasse here as to uh, as to what we should do with these computer generated chopper fireballs well if if you'd like it is your podcast so if you'd like to include them i will respectfully understand that but know that in the back of my mind i will silently judge you <laughs> but i won't um, think less of you if that makes you feel any better Okay, well, out of respect for your scholarly opinion on films, I will reflect on what you, on the points that you've made about these, uh, about these computer simulated helicopter explosions before coming to a final ruling on whether they should be, um, included. Cause, uh, it is actually, uh, it would actually be quite a big call to make. Because if we counted each and every one of them, um, it would make this film the, the kind of leading helicopter explosion film sort of in movie history. So, it's a decision that I don't feel I can take uh, lightly, so uh, I will perhaps reflect further on it before coming to a final ruling. That's, I think that's, I think it's a smart decision. But uh, in terms of uh, that's the computer simulated ones. Um, what did you think about the uh, the the less controversial ones, which uh, sort of you know are a real sort of solid um, and sort of uh, uncontroversial sort of part of the film? I thought they were great. I thought the way they were intercut with 
with other action and the different angles that we got were really, really cool. I mean, I just like explosions in general, so... That's, I just, anything, anytime something blows up, I'm there, I'm a fan. But I just like, I, don't know, I guess the presentation was what really sold it for me. Cause sometimes you could have like kind of haphazard or they could like recycle some of the same scenes over and over, but they didn't. They chose to have a couple different angles and tastefully have a couple helicopter explosions. I would agree. I think the, the explosions are uh, pretty well done in this film. They're big, kind of juicy fireballs. You kind of get to see the sort of rotor blades shearing around inside the, uh, inside the fireball, which is uh, a nice sort of touch that I like to see. And, um, obviously the, the, at the kind of the fine, the very last helicopter explosion is when this, this, uh, mercenary gun for hire ace pilot is, uh, finally shot down by sort of Nicolas Cage. And you get to see this pilot. Uh, inside his helicopter you get to see the kind of like the bullets kind of going through his chest kind of ripping blood through the kind of front of his shirt which i felt was a kind of nice sort of extra detail to kind of throw in rather than just kind of you know hitting the pyrotechnics button and just kind of blowing his uh chopper to kingdom come it was uh some good uh exciting uh sort of uh air to air sort of helicopter sequences in this film though i was a bit puzzled by the sort of the whole need for the sort of top gun training sequence um sort of in this film in the sense that um the kind of whole the whole point of this film is that sort of Nicolas Cage and these other pilots have to go to this training school to be sort of taught how to fight another helicopter in the air because as the sort of plot makes clear sort of it seems sort of American helicopter pilots only know how to attack targets on the ground they're you know just don't know what to do about other airborne targets which just seemed to me that was no way to uh, run an air force. The whole training montage was awful. It was I wasn't a fan. In fact, I watched Rocky Four just for a good training <laughs> montage, so I kind of got this one out of my head and out of the way. Um, and it doesn't make sense either. Just like you said, that why wouldn't they have air-to-air combat training? Um, but it was kind of cool to see, you know, some of the types of drills that they run and um, just the, some of the things that helicopters could do. Like I had zero idea that helicopters could make some of those type of movements without like completely going haywire. So that was impressive to see. Well, that was actually one of the, one of the things which uh, slightly um, sort of irked me because uh, at several points in the film, it looks like a couple of helicopters are actually flying upside down, and that's aerodynamically impossible. So it did make me wonder if actually sort of the director knew what he was doing or knew anything about helicopters, because, you know, they just can't fly upside down. You know, some of the uh, some of that maneuverability that you were admiring um, is actually sort of, you know, uh, aerodynamically impossible, I'm afraid. I hope that hasn't taken the, taken the shine off uh, this movie for you. I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like it's possible because they wouldn't have done it if they couldn't have. I mean, they had a they had a helicopter guy on set, like giving the okay, like he designed all the set pieces, and I f- I feel like it's possible, and I feel like in my heart of hearts, you know, it's possible. <laughs> well, I'm not uh, I'm not prepared to be your co-pilot when you attempt to uh, prove <laughs> <laughs> attempt to prove this to me. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. Okay. Well, um, I think that just about wraps things up for today. It just remains for me to say uh, thank you to my guest, Nick. Um, I hope you can uh, come back on for another show in the future. Oh, happily. Just say when and where and I'll be there. Well, if you like what you've heard, then please check out the Exploding Helicopter website or you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. We're basically sort of everywhere that uh, people are on the uh, internet. We'll be back soon. And until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. <laughs>